All right, good morning, and welcome to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation, and more specifically, we're going to be talking about prosperity again this morning, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We also want to say thank you to those who have partnered with us with their tithes and with their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website again at lighthousediscipleship.org, and in the top right-hand corner it says Give. It's highlighted in blue, and you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and on the bottom corner of every page on our website, you can find our mailing address. <coughs> Excuse me. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your tax donations are 100% tax deductible, and for we are a 51C3 church. Well, without further ado, I'm going to jump right into our message this morning. We've been talking for almost a year now. We've been talking about such a great salvation. This has been a long series, longer than I anticipated, but we have a lot to talk about our salvation. If we can't talk about our salvation at end, uh, then why are we born again? Why? What else are we going to be talking about? Uh, there's nothing more I can imagine to talk about than our salvation and what that all includes. And so we started off this message several months ago, almost at the beginning of the year. We talked about how we define salvation as a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's by grace through faith uh, that we are saved. Okay. We also defined it in both the Hebrew and the Greek. Both the Hebrew and Greek, both the Hebrew and the Greek define the word as wholeness as healing, as prosperity, and as deliverance, and many more definitions. We talked about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. Those are, so, so, those are some of the benefits of salvation. There is a hell, and there is a heaven. Jesus is coming again, okay? And those who have received, <coughs> excuse me, those who have received Christ will go to heaven, and those who have not, those who rejected Christ will go to hell. But that's not the purpose. The purpose of salvation is that we can have a relationship with God. We were dead and alienated from the life of God in our sins and trespasses. But Jesus came. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so the purpose of salvation is a relationship with God. And we can enjoy eternal life is a relationship with God. John 17, 3. So we can enjoy salvation now. Today is the day of salvation. And one of those benefits is going to be with God face-to-face -face for all eternity. We can have a relationship with God now, and we can have a relationship with God with all eternity face-to-face -face when Jesus comes again. We talked about the necessity of salvation, and which was a segue to talk about the benefits of salvation. And we've been talking about the benefits of salvation for the last few months, okay? We spent, with that, I had three mini-series. We did a mini-series on the benefits of salvation and how it relates to wholeness. We spent about five or six weeks on that. And then we spent several months on talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And starting last week, I started my I started our last segment of this teaching, which is the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. I could talk about many other things, deliverance as well, many of the other benefits, because there's a lot of benefits with our salvation, but I felt led to highlight these three. Now, I know when I get to prosperity, and that's where we're in now, this is a sensitive topic for many people. Many people are against prosperity. 
Many people have fought me as a pastor, as a believer, to be sick and to be poor. Okay? And so they will fight me. They don't believe in this. They don't believe in prosperity. But that's why we need to talk about it. Okay? And so uh, I believe there's been some misuses, even from the pulpit, on talking about prosperity. Okay? And uh, we will deal with those, but we'll deal with most of those indirectly as we talk about the truth. It's the truth that will set you free. When you teach the truth, all the other uh, things that are fraudulent will fall on the wayside. Okay? So I'm not going to so much spend a lot of time debunking untruths. I'm going to speak the truth. Okay? And we're going to, prosperity is the benefit of our salvation. And we're going to get into that over the next few weeks. Okay? So when we, another way of looking at prosperity is we're talking about God's blessing in our lives. If you don't believe that God wants to bless our lives, then I don't know what gospel you believe. Okay? And so we're also talking about God's covenant with his people. Okay? We'll get into that a little more deeper today, but also more deeper in the next few weeks. And we're going to have a whole teaching on covenant. Yeah, our covenant with God, uh, that was going to be this year, but the way things are going, it might be next year before I get to that. <coughs> Excuse me. But it will be the next... Uh, it will be the next series that we will have once we're done with this one on salvation and talking about prosperity. So, and, and, so again, we're talking about the benefits of salvation. And one of those benefits of salvation is uh, prosperity. Okay? It's not the only benefit. It's not the only thing we talk about. But it's not something that we exclude either. Okay? I want the full gospel. I want the full message. I want the full counsel of God's word. I want all the promises of God. Not just some of them, and I don't want to talk about all the problems of God and exclude prosperity. I also want, don't want to just talk about prosperity and don't talk about the other promises of God. Okay? We, I'm talking about we need to trust His grace. This message is not so much about finances, and, and finances is not the only message about uh, prosperity. Okay? Finances is not excluded from prosperity, it's included in prosperity. But it's not exclusive. Okay? And so, um, I want to talk about the whole counsel of God. And this whole message is not so much about prosperity. This message is about trusting God. Trusting His grace. Trusting His Word. We have to trust God for everything. Our health and our wealth. We need to trust God for our health. We need to trust God for our wealth, our provision. He's our source for everything. And there's a lot of confusion, especially in the body of Christ, and different opinions regarding this subject of prosperity. Okay? And some people will turn me off just because I'm talking about the subject. Okay? I can't help those people. But I can help those people who are willing to listen and willing to hear me out, not just today, but over the next few weeks, because I can't teach this all in one week. Okay? And last week I mentioned five things I want to talk about, and I'm, I might talk about more things than these five in this mini-series, but we talked about what I do want to address in this series, though, is what is God's will? Why prosperity? Those two kind of go together, get together a little bit. <coughs> we want to talk about sowing. <coughs> Excuse me. We want to talk about sowing and reaping. It won't be an exclusive teaching on sowing and reaping because there's they, there's a concept of sowing and reaping that have nothing to do with prosperity and finances. Okay, it just it's a it's a it's a it's a law in the land, just like gravity. The law of gravity. The law of thermodynamics, okay? It's a law of sowing and reaping. You will reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. Dogs beget dogs. Monkeys beget monkeys. What you sow is what you reap, okay? And so, and, and, but that principle 
also applies to prosperity. Okay? And so we're talking about stewardship. And we're going to talk about even motive, motive with all this stuff and whatnot. Okay, that's important as well. But again today I want to continue on this first topic of talking about what is God's will. Okay? Because one of the first revelations we need in the area of finances, or provision, or the blessing of God, prosperity, is knowing God wants us to prosper. If we don't settle this first and foremost, that God wants us to prosper, you'll turn me off and you'll turn the word of God off on anything that has to do with the blessing of God and God's covenant and God's prosperity in our lives. I believe and I teach God wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to prosper, prosper emotionally. He wants us to pro prosper physically and be in good health. We just spent several weeks talking about that. And he, wants us, he also wants us to prosper financially. Okay? Prosperity is his nature. Prosperity is his promise. Prosperity is his covenant with you and me. God, prosperity is his provision. And prosperity is his blessing in and on our lives. Okay? One of the key verses, and we have several key verses with this segment of our teaching, is from 3 John verses 1 to 1, verse 2. Because 3 John is only one chapter. Beloved, I, wi I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as I so prosper. Before I get too deep into this, I want to look at this word prosper again uh, in the original language. Now, I just said, and I repeated it earlier, but we've already defined that salvation in both the Hebrew and Greek is defined as uh, wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. The word salvation is defined that way. And yet, 3 John verses 1-2 uses this word prosper, and this word for prosper is not salvation, soteria, it's you do. And I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, so pardon my, my Greek, okay? And so, uh, but it means help along the way, okay? We all need help along the way. Can we agree with that? Okay? If you don't agree in prosperity, then you don't agree that we or you need help along the way. Okay? Let me give you some examples of this. What father or parent does not want their children to be prosperous? What father or parent does not want their child to have help along the way? What shepherd or pastor, leader, does not want his flock to have help along the way. As fathers, as parents, as pastors and leaders, how many of us want our people, our children, to prosper and have help along the way? Okay? In Genesis chapter 17, verses 1-2, we'll be talking a lot about Abraham this morning. And when Abraham was 99 years old, 99, okay, he's not some uh, young boy, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and you and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. There's a lot we can look at this, but I want to look at real quickly here before we get too deep. Is God appeared to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty God. God revealed himself to Abraham as the Almighty God. The Almighty God is, in the Hebrew, is El Shaddai. The, the Almighty God is El Shaddai. And so people ask me, do you believe in prosperity? 
Do you teach prosperity? Yes, I believe in prosperity. Because I believe in the El Shaddai. I believe and teach on prosperity because I believe in the Almighty God. Okay? If you don't want me to teach on prosperity, then you're telling me you don't want me to teach about the Almighty God. Okay? El Shaddai in the Hebrew is defined as all-sufficient God. It's defined as... <coughs> excuse me. He's a God who is more than enough. He, it also means the many-breasted God. Okay? God has so much sufficiency running out of him, we don't even have room enough to contain it. That's what El Shaddai means. That what, that's what Almighty God means. Almighty God is El Shaddai in the Hebrew. And El Shaddai, when it's defined, means the all-sufficient God, the many-breasted God. The God who has so much sufficiency running out of him, we don't even have enough room to contain it. Because we in the New Testament believe that Christ, the fullness of God, is on the inside of us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and also in the book of John, of his fullness we have received from grace to grace. Let's go back to John, Genesis 17. And he said, walk before me and be perfect. We'll get back to some of that in a minute. And and I will multiply you. He says, I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Okay? Excuse me for a second. When we come into a relationship with God, and we understand who he really is, God just revealed himself to Abraham. As the El Shaddai, as the all-sufficient one, as the many-breasted God. But when we come into a relationship with God, Abraham was in a relationship with God, and we understand who He really is, God will be God will be magnified in our lives, and our God that we worship is more than enough. Whatever you need, what. Whatever he's called you to do, he is more than enough to supply what you need to do what he's called you to do and be who he's called you to be. Believing this is key to seeing his sufficiency revealed in your life and in my life. In Genesis chapter 17, we're not going to read all of it, but it talks about, it talks about how God changed his name to Abraham. Abraham, that fatherly, but Abraham meant father of many nations. Abraham needed to a, cha a change of identity from Abram to Abraham. That's a change of identity. From fatherly to the father of many nations. But he, Abraham needed a change of identity to have a change of destiny. Even at 99 years old, he had a change of destiny. And as long as we identify with poverty. We will not have the abundance of God revealed in our lives. Okay, let me say this again. As long as we identify with poverty, we will not have the abundance of God revealed in our lives, that El Shaddai revealed in our lives, to the level God wants to make it known to us. To the level God wants to make himself 
the El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the All-Sufficient One, the Many-Breasted God, revealed to us and be known to us. For years, the church at large has struggled with a poverty mentality. Many churches have taught and continue to teach or have equated poverty with holiness. Folks, the scriptures teach no such thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, many have equated poverty with holiness, and you will not find that in scripture at all. Okay? That is the doctrines of men that make the word of God of no effect. And we taught about that in, at length in times past. We need to see ourselves how God sees us. So that we can possess what God wants us to possess in this life. We need to quit identifying with poverty. And we need to quit speaking lack. And we need to begin speaking provision. We need to begin speaking sufficiency. We need, we need to quit speaking insufficiency. And we need to begin speaking sufficiency. Our God, the Almighty God is more than enough. He's the all-sufficient one. He is a many-breasted God. He is El Shaddai. I've adopt, my wife and I, we have adopted this confession from Lawson Purdue over the last uh, uh, few years since we've known him. And that is, I have everything I need to do everything God has called me to do. I have no lack in any area of my life. My wife and I, we speak that over our finances. We speak that over our church. We speak that over our businesses. We speak that over our lives. And we speak that over your lives as well. That you have everything you need. If you have God, the all-sufficient one, you have everything you need in God, in Jesus, your El Shaddai. And, and you have everything to do what God has called you to do. You have no lack in any area of your lives. Okay? That does not mean... I don't ever have to believe God for provision. Just because I say that, just because I believe this, doesn't mean I don't ever need to believe God for something. Doesn't mean I don't have challenges. Doesn't mean I don't even have financial challenges. Okay? It doesn't mean I don't, I'm not in a situation where I need to believe God for provision. Okay? It means I have chosen to put my eyes on God. It means that I have chosen to put my trust in God and it means that I have chosen to put my, put my eyes on God. <coughs> what I'm teaching is not that I don't have trouble, problems, but what I'm teaching is I have chosen to put my eyes on God, my focus, my trust on God instead of lack. I'm not going to look at the storm. I'm not going to look at what I don't have. I'm going to look at what I do have, and I have Jesus. I have the Almighty God. I have the All-Sufficient One. I have God Himself. It says in Ephesians 3.19, I keep coming back to this, this, but it says that when we know His love that surpasses knowledge, we will be filled with the very fullness of God. I have the Almighty God, the All-Sufficient One, El Shaddai, on the inside of me, His fullness. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to focus on the black. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus. It means I have chosen to put my eyes on his sufficiency 
instead of the insufficiency of this world. It means that I have chosen to put my focus on Almighty God. It means that I've chosen to put my focus on El Shaddai. It means that I've chosen to put my focus on the all-sufficient God. See, there's two mentalities in the world, in the life, in the, in the life of the church. One is, there's more where that came from. The second is, there's not, there's not enough. Even if someone steals something from me, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. Even if someone were to steal from me. Even if there was a natural catastrophe and we lost everything, a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake, a fire, okay, and, and more. Even if the government was wicked and corrupt and it took everything from me, I have more where it came from. Because the government is not my source. See, what we're talking about this morning, when we're talking about prosperity and the blessing of God, the Almighty God, the El Shaddai, the All-Sufficiency, I'm asking you, who are you trusting? In other words, who is your source? Who is your source? God? The world? Your job or paycheck or lack of job? Your government? Good or bad or wicked or worse? Your you. Are you your source? Your abilities? Okay? I believe we live in a world. We live in the fallen world. I believe we all need to have a job and work. I will be talking about that. When I'm talking about prosperity, I will talk about later on, not today, you need to get to work. Okay? You need to occupy until he comes, so get to work. I'm not talking about that this morning. We all have governments. There's governments in this world. Okay? And, yes, we have abilities. God's given us those abilities, those giftings and whatnot. Okay? But, all in all, my source is not these things. My source is God. In Genesis 8.22, it says this, While the earth remains, the sea time and harvest and cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. As long as humanity is on planet Earth that God created, there will be enough provision. And many of us through government and society have been lied to about global warming, about running out of food, and other calamities such as COVID. Do I say COVID is not real? No, I believe COVID was real. Do I think any other sickness has been real? But it must bow to the all-sufficiency God. It must bow to El Shaddai. It must bow to Jehovah Jireh. It must bow to Jehovah Rapha, my healer, my banner, my victory, my shalom, Jesus Christ, the Almighty God. Okay? When we know who God really is, we know there will always be more than enough. No matter what the government says, no matter what the calamity is, no matter what happens in these last days. Okay? God is our provider. And in Genesis 22, God told Isaac to take Isaac, his son, his only son, 
to offer him up in a place that he would show him. So Abraham took a three-day journey to Moriah and found the place God revealed to him. And he proceeded to offer Isaac for the offering. He was obedient to, his, to God. And just before the unthinkable, killing Isaac, okay, the angel of the Lord stayed his hand, and when Abraham looked, he saw a ram caught in the thicket. It, we'll, we'll, that's where we'll pick up the story here in Genesis 22:13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Verse 14 says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. God is Jehovah-Jireh. God is our provider. Many, again, many people ask, Do you believe in prosperity? Do you teach on prosperity? Yes, I believe in prosperity because I believe in God. I believe in Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Who do you believe in? When we know this, when we know Jehovah Jireh, when we know our provider, we never need to fear lack. We may be tempted with lack, we may experience some lack just like we can experience some sickness and we can experience some sin. But we don't have to fear it because Jesus is my redeemer. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. He's my Jehovah Jireh. That's what we're talking about. He's my El Shaddai. Okay? And Genesis, again, Genesis 22. I believe Abraham saw Calvary when he went to Mount Moriah. When he looked back, and he saw this ram uh, caught in the thicket. Because, excuse me, a few hundred yards north of Moriah, where he was at, is when he saw the ram in the thicket. And he offered the ram in the place of his son. And then he called the place Jehovah Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God is my provider. I believe, and you can have your own definition of this, why not? Okay. I believe when, G when Abraham was on Moriah offering this, and he saw this ram caught in the thicket, um, I believe he saw Calvary. Okay, why do I believe that? Because in John 8, 56, Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Where did he see it? On oh, Mount Moriah. He saw his day, and he was glad. Abraham rejoiced when he saw the provision of God. And the greatest provision of all is Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. I believe he received the revelation of the future redemption coming in Christ on that mount. And in Christ, God provided everything we would ever need. In Christ, in this ram that was symbolic of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God has provided everything that we need, both spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. Everything about us, 
God has provided everything we need in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the many-breasted God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, our healer and our provider. In Christ, God provided our righteousness for our sins. In Christ, God provided our peace for our anxiety. In Christ, God provided our healing for our sickness. And in Christ, God provided our provision for our poverty. There is provision in the cross of Christ. Not just is a in, did the cross provide forgiveness of sins? Yes. Let me go back to my slide. Yes, he provided for our sins. And that is the biggest part of this message. That's the biggest part of our salvation. When we talked about the necessity of salvation, when we talked about the purpose of salvation, when we talked about what salvation is, we highlighted, and before this we had other, we had other series that we are talking about this redemption that we have in Christ. Righteousness is the cornerstone. Righteousness is the foundation of the struggle, it says in Psalm 89. Okay? <coughs> I'm not steering away from that. But righteousness is the foundation. But on that foundation, we have other things. God provided our peace. He provided the chastisement for our peace, it says in Isaiah. We're going to get there in just a moment. By his stripes, we are healed. That was provided also through the cross. And we're also going to see in Scripture where God provided our provision for our poverty through the cross. It's a great salvation. There's many benefits of this salvation. Not just the forgiveness. I'm not excluding that. I'm building on top of that. I'm building on top of the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, our, our King and our Head. There is provision in the cross of Christ. It says in Isaiah... Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But we, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. It also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus has taken care of all of it. Jesus became our sin for our righteousness. Jesus took our strife on his back for our healing. And Jesus became, our, became poor for our provision. That is the gospel. That is the word of God. Jesus took our poverty. See, I hate sickness. Just like I hate sin. I don't hate you if you sin, and I don't hate you if you're sick. But I hate sickness, and I hate sin. Why? Because it comes from the same place. Sickness and sin comes from the pit of hell. It's a curse of the law. We're going to get into that later. I hate poverty. In the same way, I hate sin. Do I hate you if you are sin? No. Do I hate you if you are lacking? No. But I hate both. The sickness, the sickness. I hate sickness. I hate sin. I hate poverty. Why? Because it comes from the same place. It's a curse of the law. Okay? The devil has kept the church spiritually blinded regarding healing and provision for generations. Okay? And the devil wants to keep the body of Christ sick and poor. 
See, it is very hard for us to get much accomplished in the world if we are too sick. It is also hard for us to get much accomplished if we're too poor. See, it's very hard to do what God has called us to do if we are too sick. And it's hard, it's very hard to do what God's called us to do if we're too poor. We need to wake up to the truth that God wants us healthy. And that God wants us prosperous. Third John again said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, have some help along the way, and be in health. We spent several weeks and months talking about that, even as I sow prospering. We need to wake up to the truth that God is our healer and that God is our provider. We need to wake up to the truth that God is Jehovah Rapha and that God is Jehovah Jireh, the almighty God, the all-sufficient one, the many-breasted God. Jesus made provision a reality through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. That's the gospel. We're talking, church, about God's blessing in our lives. And when we're talking about God's blessing in our lives, and that's what I want to spend the remainder of today's session talking about, it says in Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That's what Proverbs says. And you know the book of Proverbs works for both the, the believer and the unbeliever? The, books of, the book of Proverbs, written by Solomon, is impartial. It works for everybody. And whether you believe it or don't believe it, it really doesn't matter. The book of Proverbs works. Okay? We'll deal with that later. When I dealt with that before. But let me look at these two words. Blessing and sorrow. <coughs> the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow to it. Let's look at these two words, blessing and sorrow, in the Hebrew. The word blessing... I'm not going to pronounce it, Berka. I, I, did, I just didn't try to pronounce it. But it says, blessing, it means blessing, prosperity, gift, or treaty of peace. Okay? This word sorrow, or actually, there's another word I want to look at, rich. The word rich, it's pronounced asha, and it means to become rich or wealthy. It also means to gain riches. Okay? And then this word sorrow, well, look at that real quick. Instead, it means pain, toil, hurt, labor, or hardship. Okay? Proverbs 20, 10, 22 again. Okay, actually, sorry. I need to follow my notes. In summary here, it's not that we have, it's not that what we have done or do that leads us to the blessing of the Lord. It is the work He has done that leads us to the blessing of the Lord. Jesus did the work so that we can inherit the blessing. Again, this verse says, I don't have it on the screen, it's the Lord that makes one rich. And he has no sorrow to it. God's the source for making us rich. And we define what this richness is. It's wealthy. It's richness. Why did I use some of those definitions? Because people have dissected that verse trying to make it mean something it doesn't mean. I don't need to try to make the word of God say something that's not saying. God, is the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and God adds no sorrow to it. You know, the, the reason why I went here is because sorrow means 
hurt. It means labor. It means hardship. There's no sorrow to the blessing of God. I can't earn it. It's not based on what I've done or do. It's based on what he has done. It's based on what Jesus did through the cross, through his death, his burial, his resurrection. Okay? Like I said, I want to talk about the blessing of the Lord and the remainder of the day's lesson. And we'll get back to talking more things next week. I want to look at three aspects of the blessing of the Lord. And those three aspects are the covenant of blessing, the priestly blessing, and the commanded blessing. I want to look at those three aspects of the blessing of the Lord in the remainder of our section, session today. See, these three biblical principles of, are all biblical principles of increase. I believe the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. And we'll get into that a little bit more later as well. But as we look at these three aspects, let's begin to look at this first one, the covenant of blessing. We have a covenant of blessing with God. Okay? We're, we're, again, we're still defining God's will regarding prosperity. Okay? And again, going back to Genesis 12.1, God, we went here last week, but we're going to go back here this week. God approaches Abraham and says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, and to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I can't tell you how many times I would bless has showed up in these few verses. See, Abraham lived around 2000 B.C. We can argue with that a little bit. But prior to Abraham, only three scriptures regarding God's blessing to humanity were found in these scriptures. Genesis 1.28, Genesis 5.2, and Genesis 9.1. We'll look at those real briefly and then we're going to come back to Abraham. Genesis 1.28, God blessing man, Adam. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. I have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the ground. God blessed mankind, Adam and Eve. And he gave us the blessing to have filled the earth and to subdue it. Okay? And then in Genesis 5.2, Excuse me, I don't know what that was. And uh, Genesis 5.2 says, And he created them, male and female, and blessed them, and called them mankind in the day they were created. Okay? So again, this mankind. God blessed mankind. Adam and Eve. Okay? And then with Noah, Genesis 9.1, excuse me, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. It's basically the same type of blessing on humanity. Remember after the flood, and Adam, with Noah, Noah again, Noah and his sons and his family were the only ones on the earth. Okay? And so, he blessed them. But then we get to Abraham, Abram at the time, in Genesis 12, God made a covenant of blessing with Abraham, and the spoken blessing of God became a regular occurrence from generation to generation. What God told Adam and Eve, he repeated it in Genesis 5-2, it was repeated to Noah and uh, Genesis 9-1, and then God makes a covenant blessing to Abraham. And you'll find as you study the scriptures that this spoken blessing of God became a regular occurrence from generation to generation. 
God promised to bless Abraham and to bless all the families of the earth. To bless his seed. Okay? In Galatians, Paul picks up in Galatians, says, and the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham. I love this verse. Because we're talking about how God, let's go back, how in Genesis 12, God blessed Abraham. And we think we're just talking about blessing to Abraham and just Abraham only. And to his seed. His family. To be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I curse those who curse you. And through you all the families will be blessed. Remember last week I said I've had people come to me, critics to the years. They, well, God was only talking to Abraham. Well, Paul didn't get that message. Because Paul says that by faith, let me read it again, all the scriptures foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations will be blessed. According to Paul, the gospel that God preached to Abraham was that in you all the nations will be blessed. In you all the nations will be blessed, according to Paul, is the gospel. It's part of the gospel. Okay? So for you to say that this only applies to Abraham, then the gospel was only preached to Abraham. No, it was preached to him beforehand. The gospel was preached to Abraham. What's the gospel that was preached to Abraham? Well, according to Paul, and I know there's more to this, but in you all the nations shall be blessed. Scripture reveals Abraham was very blessed. If you study Genesis 13, 1, 2, Genesis 14, 17 to 20, Genesis 22 to 17 to 18, and Genesis 24 to 35. We're not going to look at all these scriptures this morning. But you can... <coughs> you can look at these scriptures, you can write them down or rewatch the video later, and God, Abraham was very blessed. Isaac, his son, was very blessed. And you can look at these scriptures as well, Genesis 25, 11, Genesis 26, uh, 12 to 14, and Isaac was very blessed. Jacob, his grandson, was extremely blessed, it says, in Genesis 27, 27 29, in Genesis 30, 27, as well as Genesis 30, 43. Joseph, his great great grandson, was very blessed. Okay? In Genesis 39, 2, in Genesis 39, 5, and so on and so on. And, and I could go down on the list. And if you read the book of Matthew, the genealogy goes all the way to Jesus. Okay? God made a covenant of blessing with Abraham. And the blessing went from generation to generation. And according to the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, it went all the way to Jesus. And according to the writings of Paul, which we'll get into in a minute, it goes all the way to us in Christ. Jesus was blessed. The blessing of Jesus, you can read this again like I just said in Matthew chapter 1. The genealogy traces the seed of Abraham, and Jesus is the seed of Abraham. We're going to look at that in a moment in Galatians chapter 3. Because Paul in Galatians chapter 3 says Jesus was blessed as the seed of Abraham and we are blessed in Jesus the seed. We're going to look at this. Let's, look at, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at several scriptures here. In Galatians chapter 3 as Paul is interpreting this to us Gentiles, those of us who are born again believers. Excuse me, here in the New Testament. Galatians 3 is New Testament. <coughs> and, and, and Paul says, and so then those who are faith 
our faith, are blessed with believing Abraham. So if you have faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the gospel of Jesus, you are blessed with believing Abraham. This covenant, this covenant blessing that God made with Abraham was not just to Abraham, it was to Abraham and his seed. And if you have faith, you are blessed with believing Abraham. He goes on to say in verse 13, same chapter, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as written, curses everyone who came on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He's not done. Verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Seed, singular. He does not say, and to his seeds, plural, as of many, but as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And he concludes the chapter by saying, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. We're not just talking about Abraham this morning. We're talking about a gospel that was preached to Abraham. This gospel, and you believe this gospel, and you have faith in this gospel, like Abraham did, you believe you are blessed with Faithful Abraham. Abraham was blessed. His son was blessed. His grandson was blessed. His great-grandson was blessed. And his seed was blessed. All the way to Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham through faithful, through faith in Jesus Christ. And through Christ, we have inherited Abraham's blessing. Through Christ. We have inherited Abraham's blessing according to the word of God. And if you don't believe that, I'm going with God, not you. No offense. Okay? See, when you inherit something, you don't work to receive it. When you inherit something, you just show up. You just believe it. You just receive it. See, with Abraham, again, Abraham lived 2000, 2000 B.C. Prior to Abraham's only three scriptures were regarding God's blessing to humanity as a whole. Excuse me. But the blessing went from Abraham went from generation to generation. And we inherit Abraham's blessing through faith in Jesus Christ. When one is born again, they are blessed, spiritually speaking. And if we renew our minds... Through that truth, we will begin to walk in the blessings of Abraham. Again, Abram, Abraham was very rich. We see that in Genesis 13 too. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. In Genesis 24, 35, And the Lord had blessed my master greatly, and had become great, and he had given him flocks and herds of silver and gold. Male and female, servants and camels and donkeys. See, if Abraham received natural blessings through the covenant of God, why can't we? If Abraham received physical blessings through the covenant of God, why can't we? If Abraham received financial blessings through the covenant of God, so can we. Because we are, excuse me, 
We are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said this way in Corinthians, where all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Church, God gets glory when we walk in the promises. And these promises include financial increase. It's not the only part of the covenant. It's not the only part of prosperity. It's not the only part of the blessing. But I'm teaching on this so heavily right now. I'll teach on other aspects of prosperity as we go forward. But I'm preaching heavily on finances right now because so many people in the church debunk the word of God on this. And I got to preach the truth. I got to preach the word of God. I got to lay the foundation that it's God's will that we prosper, not just financially, but including finances. And anyone who else preaches another gospel, it's not the gospel of Christ that Abraham believed. It was preached to him. If you read Deuteronomy, and I, I wish I had time to go into all this. I'm not going to read all of it, but you read the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28. It, says, it talks about how all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I'll come back to the last part in just a moment. But it says, Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be in the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, and, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Verse 5, blessed shall, you be your shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in, and blessed shall be you when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your faith. They shall come against you in one way, they'll flee before you in seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in your storehouses and in your storehouse and all of which you set your hand. I'll come back to that. And he will bless you in the land for which the Lord your God has given you. Verse 11. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of, of your ground and the, and which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Verse 12. And the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give you rain to your land and in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. We'll get into some of this because a lot of this practice, if you obey the Lord, and we'll get into that in just a moment, okay? But we are not only blessed in Christ. Know this for now. We're not just blessed in Christ. And the, the remainder of the chapter of Deuteronomy 28 talks about all the curses that will come upon you if you disobey God. But we're not only blessed in Christ, the first 14 of Deuteronomy, First 14 verses of Deuteronomy, but we are also redeemed from the curse of the law. See, the curse of the law is described after the blessing in Deuteronomy chapter 28. The remainder of the chapter, several verses long, I don't have the number of that, it talks about all the curses that will come upon you. And many of those curses are sicknesses. And many of those curses are poverty. But God... Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as written, anyone, what is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree. The curse of the law includes sickness. The curse of the law includes poverty. The curse of the law includes slavery. The curse of the law includes death, physical death. Okay? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
So therefore Christ redeemed us from sickness. Christ redeemed us from poverty. Christ redeemed us from slavery to sin and other things. God, Christ redeemed us from spiritual death. And eventually physical death. Because the last enemy, physical death, will be put under his feet when Jesus returns for his church. And if Jesus is our Lord, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. It's about time we start believing the promises of God. It's about time we start seeing the blessing of health and the blessing of wealth. We realize that everyone can receive the blessing, can receive the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is not just for some special people. The blessing of the Lord is for every believer. And if you are born again, you have a covenant right to prosper. I'm not going to read all this again, but Isaiah says that he was, I'll read it, sure, he was born on grief and carried our sorrows, and we, yet we were esteemed him, yet we esteemed him stricken, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Peter says it this way, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, might, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we, you, were healed. Matthew also repeats that from Jesus' own words. And then uh, we also read this earlier from Second Corinthians, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The same blood of Jesus that bought our forgiveness also bought our peace. It also bought our healing. And it also bought our prosperity. In other words, if Calvary didn't pay for it, then we don't have a right to it. But Calvary did pay for it. It did pay for our forgiveness. It did pay for our peace. It did pay for our healing. Calvary did pay for our prosperity. We all need to believe all the promises of God, all the promises of the Word of God. We need to believe the Word of God. And the Word of God includes the promises of God. So that we can all, so we can receive all that God wants us to receive, bringing Him glory. Sickness and poverty can limit our ability to share the gospel, as we've already mentioned. And we need to believe His promises so that we can do what He's called to do, so that we can fulfill the last commission, and that we can possess the promised land. And I know talking a lot about prosperity with some of you are just it goes against your grind, okay? But hear me, it's not about the stuff. I'm not preaching this so we can have a bunch of stuff. I'm not preaching this so we can just be, get rich quick. I'm preaching this because we need to believe God. I'm preaching this because we need to glorify God. God's not glorified when you're poverty, when you're in lack. God's not glorified when you're sick, when He paid for it at the cross. I'm preaching about trusting God. Much of the stuff is tools to preach the gospel. There's some other things I want to talk about in a minute, but I'll, I'll wait for this uh, next point I'm going to get into here, the priestly blessing that we're going to get into. Because I've just talked about the covenant blessing so far. 
Now I want to talk about the priestly blessing. Remember those three aspects of the blessing of the Lord that we're teaching about this morning. We'll start with Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. We'll come back to that in a minute. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, Abram, gave him Melchizedek tithes of all. Now, I'll teach on tithes a lot later, but let me mention some things now. Melchizedek, he's the king of Salem, Jerusalem, the city of peace. Okay? He's also a priest of the Most High God. He's a king priest, which is forbidden in the law. But again, remember, this is over almost 400 years before the law. Okay, so he's a king priest. Jesus is our king, and he is our great high priest. Okay? We're under a different priesthood. We're not under the priesthood of, of Levi, of Aaron. We are the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And I'll get all that later. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Okay? And he spoke blessing over Abram's life. Which was a confirmation of God's covenant of blessing. This is Genesis 14. God already gave a covenant of blessing to Abraham in Genesis 12. So this is after. This is a confirmation. We all need to remember where the blessing of the Lord comes from. See, the blessing of the Lord comes from Jesus, our great high priest. And in Genesis 14, 18, this type of Christ, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Remember I just said, let me go back here. We need to remember where our blessing comes from. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from the government. It comes from Jesus. Okay? And this Melchizedek, this high priest, bought bread and wine. The table of our king priest, Jesus, is a table of Remembrance where we, he is our bread that was broken for us. And he is the blood of his new covenant that was poured out for us. Because of Jesus, we have been brought into the covenant of blessing. And we need that remembrance, that table of remembrance, where it comes from, and that he paid for, that he brought, that he is our Jehovah Jireh, that he is our Jehovah Rapha. That he is our Jehovah Shalom. In the covenant of blessing, we have we have been set free, excuse me, from the power of the enemy. See, Abraham's battle was he just won a major battle, delivering his nephew Lot from his enemies. When Abram heard of his of Lot's distress. He sent 318 men to recover Lot his, and his property, his family, and all the inhabitants of Sodom. And we know, we know from history, Sodom was a wicked city. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to, that's not a teaching right now. Abram recovered more than what was stolen. But Melchizedek reminded Abram that it was God who set him free, not his 318 men. We not only need to remember where our blessing comes from, 
we also need to remember where our freedom comes from. And it comes from Jesus Christ. Abraham's tithe, and we'll talk more about this a lot later. But after Melchizedek blessed him, it says, Abram gave him tithes of all. And this was 400 years before the law. Notice that the blessing came before the tithing. We give as a result of the blessing. We don't give to make the blessing happen. Hebrews 7, we'll spend more time on this later, but reveals that the left is, the left is blessed by the greater. That means Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. He's a priest. He's a king priest. He's greater than Abraham. Okay? Levi, it says in Hebrews 7, that's the New Testament, talks about how Levi paid tithes. Who's Levi? The law. The Levitical law. Paid tithes to Melchizedek in Abraham. It was in Abraham's loins when he paid tithes. Okay? This is not talking about what Levi did, because Levi didn't do it. It's talking about what Abraham did. It's what Levi did through Abraham. Okay? It's talking about what Abraham did. Abraham's tithe was a gift. It was not a debt. Abraham's tithe was not an obligation. Abraham gave out of his heart. And we'll talk more about tithing later. Okay? Abram gave because he was grateful. Abram gave because he wanted to. There was no law. Abraham did not pay tithes. Abram gave a tithe. We give not as a debt that we owe. We give as a seed that we sow. And again, we'll talk more about that later. When we give with a debt mindset, we lose the blessing. Okay? We giving, giving as a seed has a harvest. And again, we'll talk about more about this later. But in Numbers, let's switch gears here for a moment. In Numbers 6, 22 to 27, talk about, the, talk about the priestly blessing. Why did I talk about Melchizedek? Even though we're going to talk a little more about Titan later, because he was a priest. And he and the priest blessed Abraham. Okay? But number six, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, who was a priest, a great high priest, and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, saying that. God told them how, how the priests are to bless the children of Israel. This is what they're supposed to say. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift you up, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall I. They, they put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. See, the Old Testament, the Old Testament priests were to proclaim a blessing over the children of Israel, God's covenant people. Today, we are God's covenant people. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, Galatians 2.29, or 3.29, excuse me, it says here, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are blessed in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we too are a priesthood of believers. 
Verse Peter 2 9 says, For you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that they may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Revelation 5 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scrolls. This is that of Jesus was resurrected, and he ascended on high. And to open the seals, and you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Folks, we are priests, just like Melchizedek, just like Aaron and his sons. That was Old Testament. Melchizedek was not Old Testament. It was before the Old Testament. It was before the law. The Hebrew 7 connects the dots between Melchizedek and Jesus. And it connects the dots where Levi fits in all of that. We are in a new covenant. We are in a new priesthood. We are in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And we are priests. We've been made priests. We are a priesthood of believers. Okay? And just like God instructed Aaron, the priesthood, to bless the people, God has instructed us, the priesthood of believers, to bless the people of God, true Israel. And this word bless from, number, from numbers, okay, in the Hebrew is barak, and it means to kneel, bless, be blessed, cause to kneel, praise, and salute. It means in the New Testament it is the equivalent of blessing of grace that comes to those who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay? And number 624. So that's what the word bless means. Okay? And we too are a priesthood of believers, as Jesus is our high priest, to bear the word of God, proclaim the blessing of the Lord. We too are to bear the word of God and proclaim the blessing of the Lord. This word shine. Okay, as we surrender to Jesus, he makes his face shine upon us. And the word shine in the Hebrew, or, means to become light, or bright, or to make, or to shine, to be glorious, or to set on fire. We are to set on fire with the glory of God as he looks on us in, on, in his grace. Okay, another word, I'm going through this real fast. I apologize for that. But I want to look at this word gracious. And he'll be gracious to you. Shannon in the, in the Hebrew, not Greek. Greek is charis. Okay? This is Hebrew. And to be gracious, show favor, make favorable, direct favor to, or to have mercy upon. God has mercy on us through Jesus Christ. And he is making us favorable and directing favor our way. I like saying it this way. And I get this echo from other pastors. Life isn't fair. Why? Because we have grace. We have favor. We have mercy. Life isn't fair. Lawson produced says this. I have favor with God. I have favor with man. And I have a good understanding. I have favor with God. I have favor with man and a good understanding. And Lawson Perdue will give you many testimonies of people in his own church who speak these words of life regularly. Where students have gone from the bottom to the top. Where businesses have increased more and more and more. Because they are speaking a priestly blessing over their life. Over their mind. Over their education. Over their business. Over their families. Over everything that they work in their hands. And they are being blessed. Israel speaks shalom. A blessing. <coughs> Excuse me. A priestly blessing over their people. And they are a blessed nation. 
And we should be a blessed people. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of those who will take his word, and they will preach it, and they will believe it, and they will walk in it. Okay? Keep, eat, we need to keep speaking faith-filled words agreeing with what God says about you, that you are blessed. You, you have favor with God. You have favor with man. And you have a good understanding. Let's look at this word peace real quick. In the, the priestly blessing of Numbers chapter 6. It's, this word is shalom. I think many of us have heard that word. Okay? It represents completeness, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, safety, tranquility, and contentment. That is a powerful word. Okay? This is a peace through a covenant relationship with God. God revealed himself to Gideon in the book of Judges. I don't have time to go there this morning. As Jehovah Shalom. He's not only Jehovah Rapha. He's not only Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace. And he is our provision. That's what Shalom means. Shalom, again, let me go back. It represents welfare, completeness, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, peace. Safety, tranquility, and contentment. God is all that. Are you telling me you don't believe that God is your soundness? Are you telling me God is not your welfare? Are you telling me God is not your peace and safety? Are, are you against prosperity because you don't believe that God is your shalom? You don't believe God is your Jehovah Jireh? You don't believe God is your El Shaddai? Okay? He, God, God is Jehovah Shalom. He's your peace and provision. We are well, we are healthy, we are prospering at peace through our relationship with Jesus. Okay? His covenant is bringing these things into reality, into our lives. We not only have a covenant blessing, but we have a priestly blessing. And this priestly blessing also, it says, Thou shalt put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the last Hebrew word I want to look at. Shem, his name. It means God's reputation, his fame, glory, memorial, monuments. God is putting his name on you. That's part of the priesthood blessing. He did it in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 6. And we, as New Testament, we are New Testament believers. We are the blessed people. God, we are baptized into the name of Jesus. God's putting his name on you. God's putting his reputation on you. God is putting his fame on you. God is putting his glory on you. God is putting his memorial and his monument on you. God said, I'm putting my reputation on, on the line. This is how I treat my kids. This is how I treat my people. This is how I treat my children. God wants to use you, his children, as an advertisement. This is how I treat the people of my, that are born again. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. God wants to make us memorials for his goodness. God wants to make us monuments of his goodness. We are to bring glory and honor to his name, and we bear his name, the name of the Lord. Jesus is our great high priest. And we can read about that in Hebrews chapter 7. We can read about that in 1 Peter chapter 2. And if we have time, we'll look at that later, later sessions. 
and we are priests to our God, and we minister to him, we find favor in his face. We then share it with others and bless in his name. Lastly, I'm running out of time. Let's look, look at the commanded blessing of God. Every born-again believer has a right to the covenant blessing. And since all believers are priests in the New Testament, we speak blessing over his people. We speak blessing to one another. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And we receive the blessing from Jesus, our great high priest. Again, remember back in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 8, it says, I, the Lord, will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land that your Lord God has given you. Remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, there was a condition, if you obey the Lord. Jesus is the condition for the commanded blessing. Again, Deuteronomy 28, 1-2 says, if you listen diligently to the voice of the Lord, your God to observe and do all of his commandments, that's what the condition was. And before all these blessings were talked about, this was a condition. If you, if you obey the condition, if you follow the condition, all these blessings were on, on upon you. In the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28, if you did not obey him, you, all the curses were on you. The remainder of the book, which is which longer than the blessings. Okay? It also says the Lord will set his face up high above, will set you high above all nations. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you listen to him and you obey him. Okay? If you listen to the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you. There's a condition. Okay? Are you following me? I know I'm going a little fast. I apologize for that. Can I just say this real quick? None of us qualify. In the flesh, none of us qualify. None of us have listened to everything God has told us. None of us have followed the Lord perfectly. Only Jesus has kept all of the commandments perfectly. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him is sin. None of us have always done good. Romans 14.23 says, he, For whatever is sin is, Whatever is not a faith of sin. None of us have always walked in faith. If we did, we would see more mountains being moved. We would not even need to talk about prosperity because we would be walking in prosperity. Okay? In other words, we have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us qualify for the blessings, the commanded blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verses 1 through 14. We don't qualify by our performance, but we do qualify by Jesus' performance. Jesus died for all of our sins and gave us his righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 21, for he who made him and for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteous God in him. It says in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, and being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Believers receive the righteousness of God as a gift. It's not something you earn. It's the gift 
of righteousness. And through his redemption, we are redeemed from every curse. And every curse includes poverty, includes sickness, includes slavery, and many things. Through the redemption, we are also blessed with every blessing. Through redemption, we have every blessing of God, every promise of God, and through redemption, we are redeemed from every curse. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the Word of God through us. God said yes to all the promises of God in Christ. And we say amen, so be it, through our faith in Christ. When we believe on Jesus, when we believe his word, when we believe his promises are for us, we can move We can move into everything he has promised. And we can walk in the promises of God. We can walk in the blessing of God. And God is glorified. Remember, God wants to make you an advertisement of how he treats his kids. Remember, God wants to make you a memorial, a monument of his goodness. The blood of Jesus alone qualifies us for the best blessings of God. Believers have left the kingdom of darkness, and believers have been transmitted into the kingdom of his dear son. In Christ, we have a full pardon for all of our sins. In Christ, all of our sins have been expunged as if we never sin. Colossians says it this way. Giving thanks to God, the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. <coughs> Excuse me. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. In this new covenant, Jesus is the condition for the blessing. We are blessed. We are not cursed. Numbers 23 talks about Balaam. How Balak, a foreign king, hired Balaam, a foreign prophet, and to, cur to curse Israel, but bless, but instead Balaam blessed Israel three times. Balaam said this, even though he was hired to curse Israel, he says, Behold, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. The commanded blessing. Israel was living under a commanded blessing. Even when a foreign king hired a foreign prophet to curse them, he couldn't do it because it was a commanded blessing. And this wicked prophet, Balaam, could not reverse it. Okay. Therefore, Balaam could not reverse it. Balaam could not curse them. Okay. We are blessed in Christ, and we cannot be cursed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on us through faith. That's what it says in Galatians 3. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Jesus took every curse so that we could receive every blessing, including financial blessings. Pastor Dave, you're talking a lot about finances. You think it's all about finances. You haven't heard everything I've taught in the last eight years. I've taught on everything about, about redemption, about forgiveness of sins. 
the last eight years. Today, in this particular teaching, I'm talking about prosperity. I'm talking about finances. I don't talk about finances every week, but I do preach about finances because God is my Jehovah Jireh. He is Almighty God. He is the all-sufficient one. I'm talking about finances. So why I'm talking about finances is forbidden to talk about finances. you got to be nice. Okay? I don't just talk about finances. You can look at our archives. I don't just talk about finances. But I'm also not going to exclude it either. Jesus talked about finances. Paul talked about finances. The Word of God talks about finances. And so, you want me to teach the whole Word of God? Or just what you want to hear? Are you fighting me to be sick? Are you fighting me to be poor? Then you're fighting God. Okay? Our salvation, our blessing, includes financial blessings. Israel, as a nation, Jewish people, they are blessed. And they live with this attitude. I am a covenant people. I am a covenant person of God. And I am blessed by the most High God. Israel, as a nation, believes this. And as we understand the new covenant, we too should have the same attitude. That we, as a true Israel... I don't have time to teach that from Romans chapter 9. As a holy nation, God's people, special people, we live with this attitude. I am a covenant people. And I am blessed by the Most High God. Now, Israel believes that, and we need to believe that. We are a covenant person of God, and we are blessed by the Most High God. Folks, this is faith. This is a major attitude. And we need to have a major attitude of faith. We have the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith is a speaking spirit. Last year I spent time teaching from 2 Corinthians 4.13 that since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we speak. We need to begin to speak God's word. We need to begin speaking the word of life. We need to begin speaking blessings. We need to say what God says about us and what God says about you. We, and we need to begin to move into the blessings. And with this, I close. I know I'm already over, but let me close with this. In Leviticus chapter 25, 21, it talks about how God commands, he says, Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year and will bring forth produce enough for three years. He's talking about Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 25. Jesus is our jubilee. Jesus is the fulfillment of the blessing of God, commanded blessing. Jesus is the fulfillment of jubilee. And Numbers 25 talks about the results of jubilee. And the results are restored to proper place in the family, restored possessions, eating the increase, oppression will cease, deaths will be forgiven, Slaves go free and supernatural increase. I don't, this is not a message on Jubilee, but these seven results are results of Jubilee found in the Word of God. And Jesus is our Jubilee. Therefore, the believer has a hundred percent right to all the blessings. And it's a commanded blessing. Hundred percent of the time. 
not just every 50 years. See, Jubilee in the Old Testament was every 50 years. Jubilee today is Jesus is salvation. And today is the day of salvation. And as believers, we can expect supernatural increase all the time. Why? Because Jesus is our jubilee. And in Psalm 133, it says it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing like of a war. See, in Psalm 133, it talks about the brethren dwelling together in unity. It talks about their anointing running down Aaron's skirts. And in this place, there is a commanded blessing. Church, we need to walk in unity with like-minded believers. And we need to connect where the anointing is flowing. And we live in the commanding blessing in Christ Jesus. Jesus meets the condition. Jesus is the fulfillment. And the anointing of increase flows from him. Aaron's not a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And the anointing flows off him to us. And it's a commanded blessing. Folks, we've been talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. We've been talking about the benefits of salvation, God blessing our lives. We've been talking about the covenant of God has with his people. His covenant says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power and the wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. What fathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. We're talking, folks, about such a great salvation. I have much more to share. We're just getting our feet wet, okay? But I speak about the blessing of God. I speak blessing over you because I believe in God. I believe he's the almighty God. I believe he's the all-sufficient one. I believe he's Jehovah Jireh. I believe he's Jehovah Rapha. I believe he's Jehovah Arbanner. I believe that he's Jehovah Shalom. I believe in God. And I believe in prosperity and the biblical point of view. There's some warnings that come with this. I shared some of those last week. I'm going to be sharing some more in the weeks to come. But at the same point in time, uh, there's, and there's more that we need to talk about. We need to th that we need to talk about. We will talk about this. We need to talk about finances. And if finances disturb you, that means we need to talk about it. Okay? Because that feeling, that uneasiness, is not from God. Okay? And so we need to talk about it. And we need to get a biblical perspective regarding finances. Okay? Anyway. A lot more to share about that. You guys all have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Amen. God bless.